She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Securing our border is a responsibility we all know and share. It's an oath we take to protect and defend the American people, and that's one place. Not, not just the southern border, but all of our borders. Those workers are furloughed. So the downside is that we're not able to get to work as much as we want to in the beginning. But the bright side is that it gives us a lot more free time to make trouble. Michael Cohen was interviewed for 70 hours. I mean, in 70 hours time, he could have said anything. Uh, because he was trying to please the, 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 the investigators. Right. You know, he was desperately trying to avoid jail. They've been pushing this nonsense for two years. They've found nothing, but anytime there's a negative, anytime there's a chance to get Trump, they're gonna jump on it. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. Thank you for being here today. We have another jam-packed show for you. We are actually going to be speaking with um, a, a, a good friend of the program, Carmine Saba Jr. He's going to be with us, and we're going to talk about um, this current events, obviously, the, the whole idea that all of a sudden there's some proof that even the investigator himself, Robert Mueller, has disputed. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, the the Catholic boys, media malpractice. The Catholic boys, I, I've been trying to avoid wading in on this story, and I guess uh, for once that kind of worked out for me because everyone, from people on the left to the right of the spectrum, everyone assumed that just because MAGA hats were involved that these boys had to be some virulent strain of all Catholic racism. And I, I care nothing for the fact that they're Catholic, if they were from a prestigious private school that was secular and independent, I wouldn't care about it. I, I wouldn't care if they were from a small classical Christian school or a flagship cr Christian school in the Midwest or, or a public school. The issue here is that there's an enormous double standard. Um, no one is allowed to be triggered if you are on the left. Like we, we weren't supposed to be upset when Kathy Griffith took an effigy of the president's decapitated head and paraded it around on social media where his kids could see it, adult and, and the one who's still a minor. We weren't supposed to be upset when people talked about locking Baron Trump in a cage with pedophiles. We're never supposed to be upset when liberals utilize what they call satire, what we call, uh, you know, really the worst kind of non-funny attempts at humor, attempts at being, you know, mic dropping and they're so, they're so big and bad. When they use those really weak attempts at trying to make a political point and they miss, you know, 80 yards of a mile and they're just so far out in left field, the first thing they say to us is, well, how weak are you guys? How weak are you that you can't take political satire? This is no game. Lives are at stake. This is political jousting. And if you can't handle it, get out of the arena. You're so weak. That's what we hear. But. These boys were at a protest minding their own business when a Native American who happens to be a liberal, the liberals are the ones who have them on those reservations, by the way. The liberals are the ones who don't care about the rate of alcoholism in the, in the Indian community. The liberals are the ones who don't care. They don't, they don't, they don't go out and, and campaign to the Indian reservations. They, they, don't, they don't care anything about people who live on reservations. And so, you know, whole nother, whole nother show, whole nother topic. But the point is, 
He's out there as an adult assaulting kids. He's in their faces. He's using profanity at them. If you watch the whole video, now that the whole video's out there and everybody's backing away from their uh, Twitter battle stations, you'll see that there's a point in the video where the guy is, he's pushed his drum set in the midst of them. So he's actually pushed into their personal spaces. He's screaming racial epithets at them and screaming at them and, and cursing at them. And one of them just tur calmly turns to another one and says, what's going on here? Do we know who this is? <laughs> they're, they're genuinely confused because they were attending a pro-life protest and they happen to be wearing the ultimate trigger item du jour. Get yourself a MAGA hat if you, if you want to turn people's lives inside out. Get yourself a red hat that says make America great again. And this guy loses his mind. And then these kids are turned into the ultimate racial oppressors. And they're just standing at a protest. Now their school is closed today, might possibly be closed tomorrow because of death threats from liberals. They're actually receiving death threats at their homes. Liberals have now made it a campaign to find out their names and to find every picture of them on online social media. They say they're going to make sure these boys never go to college. And all they did was exercise their free speech right to attend a rally wearing whatever they want. Remember when they put the image of Jesus Christ in a bottle of urine, we were told to sit down and stop being so sensitive. That was art. But a red hat that says make America great again is an offensive item so triggering to liberals that they're willing to do violence to you. And, and people wonder why I say arm up, get you some steel, not just what's in your spine. You need that too, but get you some steel so you can protect yourself. People wonder why I say that. They wonder why I'm so big on supporting the Second Amendment. They wonder why I don't have any time anymore for going back and forth in email and online with liberals. They wonder why I've just... You know, I, I pray that people would be brought to the truth. I want everyone to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I don't want anybody to be left behind and out in the, the vast wasteland that will be eternity without the presence of God. Absolutely. But as far as casting my pearls before the very angry, upset, uh, profanity-spewing swine that we currently find ourselves in the midst of, no thanks, I'm busy. I have a lot to do. I have a lot to get done. And so there's no way I'm going to get into these big, long arguments, and you shouldn't either, with people who would literally see a bunch of teenagers. I mean, can you imagine being out somewhere and seeing a group of protesters and going and actually attacking the young ones? Can you imagine going and attacking the ones who are, they're clearly teenagers because they have on a hat you don't like? Where are all of the conservatives chasing women in anatomical pink hats down the street and running them down? Where, where are all of the conservatives yelling and screaming and cursing and stomping in the faces of liberals who are wearing the anatomical suits? The, some of the most vulgar imagery that a, an adult can put on in public. These people do this on the regular, and we just, we just point fingers and laugh, take pictures and put it on, uh, you know, make memes, put it on Facebook. We're so busy poking fun at them and, and giggling at their, their idiocy, we're missing an opportunity. Apparently, if you're an American and you see something you don't like, resisting means getting in their faces, yelling and screaming and cursing, and basically acting like a zoo animal. But we're the ones who are 
always triggered, apparently. We're the ones who want to control other people's lives. Liberals literally want to be able to tell you what you can and cannot wear. Not only where you can work and who you can work for and who you can hire, not only where your kids have to go to school and what they have to learn while they're there, not only teaching your children things that are diametrically opposed to your faith and your traditions, but they also want to be able to tell you what you can wear, what you can't wear, and what you can say while you're wearing it. And they say we're the ones who want to control everybody. Last I checked, you can wear whatever you want. Wear it. You're making a fool out of yourself. And, and so if you disagree with Donald Trump, you hate the ideology, you hate the, you hate the platform, you hate the campaign slogans, you hate the, the, the Republican Party platform, okay, so be it. Good for you. Everybody has something they don't like. I hate green beans. Y'all know I hate the green beans. I hate them with the hate of a thousand suns. It's the textures, you guys. There's two beans there. I've talked about this before, but I'll just take one mo brief moment to go into. You understand that the green beans, actually, it's a bean inside of another bean. And the outer bean has a stringy consistency that when you bite through, your teeth actually go to the inner bean. And then it's almost like a lima bean, which I also hate. And then when you bite into that one, it has like a skin on the outside and then something inside of it. It is the most disgusting vegetable in existence. Brussels sprouts, amazing. You know, broccoli, fantastic. Cauliflower, yes, bring it on. Green beans, whoa, I got a thing. I hate green beans. And yet, even as much as I hate green beans, I know that friends of mine make green bean casserole and they enjoy it. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the pictures on Facebook. And I haven't yelled at them or screamed at them. I, I know people that uh, they're no longer my friend because they now know my politics. And I know they enjoy green bean casserole as well. And just plain old green beans out of the can, which to me is a form of torture. It's worse than waterboarding, I think. And I've never screamed or yelled at any of them about their propensity for consuming this disgusting and vile vegetable. And that's just one example of the many opportunities that all of us have to be perpetually offended and angry and yelling and screaming with spittle flying out of our mouths and in the faces of people that we disagree with. And somehow, multiple tens of millions of us just go on about our days happily, I guess like psychopaths, just reveling in the fact that others disagree with us and are operating contrary to what we be believe and we just don't do anything about it. Why, what are we waiting on? I guess it's a missed opportunity or maybe we just don't have the energy to be violent because we're too busy avoiding green beans and working. So in addition to speaking to Carmine today on the show, we are going to have a little bit of audio from Newt Gingrich, and we're going to talk in just a minute here about this restaurant that was fined thousands for not allowing a transgendered female to use the ladies' restroom. And these transgenders, to be such a tiny percentage of the population, certainly are busy all over the country making themselves nuisances and becoming the news stories. So first, let's get into the daily confession. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. And help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So here's what I want to take from this scripture, Isaiah 41.10. There has to be a problem in your life that you really want solved. And it's something that's been maybe burdening you. Maybe it's been on your, your goal list or your New Year's resolution, resolution list or something that you've been praying about. And, or maybe you haven't been praying about it because you're just, you're, you just want it to go away. And you feel like, well, God's not going to want to be busy with that. Well, nowhere in the Bible does it say, please tell God about your problems, except the tiny ones or except the one that you're embarrassed about or except the one that's really besetting you that you're just burdened with. 
or the one that you're ashamed of or the one that, you know, you're spending lots of money on just, you know, dieting, let's say you're spending money on (laughs) diets and different exercise programs and you're still not conquering in that area. God doesn't have any area of our lives that he's like, yep, that's too small for me or that's something I can't be bothered with that. He's interested in every area of our lives. And so if there's something that is a problem that you're working on, just think for a moment, have you considered that God says, do not be afraid, do not fear that this problem will never go away. God is with you. Do not be dismayed for he is our God. He says he will strengthen us, he'll help us, he'll uphold us with his righteous right hand. He doesn't say we have to uphold ourselves, he'll do it. So let's give any problem that we have, every problem that we have to him for the resolution and he will do it. He will bring us through that. Uh, So right now I want to do quickly, actually we don't have time for that, I want to quickly talk about the restaurant being fined thousands of dollars for not allowing this transgender female to use the restroom. So first of all, it's my opportunity to say yet again, told you, I said years ago, maybe eight years ago at the onslaught of all of this discussion about transgenders and people using restrooms, that this was less about where people use the bathroom and more about forcing people who don't want to be changing in front of or validating transgenderism because it's a mental illness that it's you will be made to bow down you will be made to acknowledge it you will be made to accept it and even give your approval to it and the reason why the single bathrooms isn't going to be the thing of the future yeah the single stall restrooms are already coming into to play I see them everywhere now but there has to be a restroom in which a man dressed as a woman can use the restroom with actual women and children and girls and little boys with their moms who are too young to go to the bathroom by themselves it has to be that, that those facilities exist because without those, transgenders cannot claim that they truly are women and they cannot count on having the acceptance of the people who are being forced to use the bathroom with them. This is an evil and it's just another attempt by the enemy to fly in the face of what God has created, male and female, man and woman, complementary beings created in the image of God to glorify him and have relationship with him through marriage, lifelong marriage. So this is a, it's, it's a silly story. Um, a DC restaurant has to pay the district of Columbia $7,000 as a penalty and for legal costs resulting from an incident last summer in which the restaurant refused to let a biological male use the women's restroom. That's where we are. We'll be back with Carmine right after this. Stay there. Still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. 
That's star star three four five. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a legacy moment. There are two things I know about gardening: <laughs> little and nothing. Still, some years ago, I attempted to grow tomatoes in our yard. Well, a friend who knows a lot more than I do about gardening pointed out that there was what he called a sucker vine growing on most of the plants. It looked healthy, and as far as I knew, it looked like a tomato would pop out. But my friend said, if I wanted healthy tomatoes, I needed to cut the sucker vines off. I did, and I got some pretty good tomatoes. I even surprised my wife, Karen. Life is full of sucker vines. Things that look good, things that look like they're going to be productive and fruitful. Part of our problem is that sometimes we ignore the tender voice of the master gardener. Notice what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. This is another one of his wonderful names, and it's also a description of his productivity. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. In every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. You see, God wants you to be so productive, you cannot even imagine. He wants to produce fruit in your life that will bring great joy, great meaning, a sense of purpose and accomplishment beyond your imagination. Jesus is the true vine, and he wants to produce a bumper crop through you. Well, here's what I want you to remember and do today. Take a look at the vines you are attached to. Are they sucker vines? Read the Gospel of John, paying special attention to what Jesus says about himself. Give your life to the true vine and watch him produce fruit through you. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Join Crawford tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We are all over the nation broadcasting live and direct from the heartland. I'm in uh, Missouri out in the, uh, the middle of the country, flyover country, where a lot of liberals feel like the people don't matter, but not only do we matter, we're making a huge difference, and we're very happy to be here on the radio on uh, American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Go to AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com to find out more. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Carmine Sabia, Jr., Managing Editor of the Federalist Papers and a political commentator. Hey, Carmine, thanks for joining the show. Oh, Okay. I didn't see the note from my producer that we're still trying to get a hold of our guest. So right now, while we're waiting on that, I want to listen to this bit of audio about the president forging ahead, which I'm very happy to hear this. The president is actually going to push forward with giving the State of the Union address in spite of what Nancy Pelosi is trying to do. And uh, this cut three. I think the White House is just planning to go ahead with the State of the Union as it was planned. And uh, it's also my understanding that preparations continue up on Capitol Hill for the possibility that this thing could still go ahead. The sergeant at arms, which uh, oversees the process of State of the Union on Capitol Hill, has been delivered a letter from the White House this morning asking for a, quote, walkthrough 
uh, of the uh, House of Representatives uh, and the area of the Capitol where the president will be traveling uh, in preparation for State of the Union, which is scheduled for next Tuesday, January uh, the 29th. You'll probably remember that the sergeant at arms last week canceled a planned walkthrough. That was done at the request of Speaker Pelosi's office. Now, we have not yet heard from Speaker Pelosi's office uh, whether or not uh, they will ask the sergeant at arms to not schedule a walkthrough or not. But I'm also being told that uh, sergeant at arms staff was told last week and again today to proceed with planning as if this thing is happening. So we do not know whether or not this is going to actually take place on Tuesday, the 29th, Eric. Uh, but at least the sergeant at arms office up there on Capitol Hill, the U.S. Secret Service, Department of Homeland Security and the White House are all planning to go ahead with the president being where he was asked to be next Tuesday. So that he had the ball now in Nancy Pelosi's court. Let's see what she said. So this is a huge nightmare for her because she's already gotten a lot of pushback on this um, pushback to the to the effect that there's there's a there's a sense that it's becoming very petty and it's embarrassing for the Democrats. And it really Nancy Pelosi now owns the shutdown. And the reason she owns it is because she literally has denied any opportunity to negotiate to end the shutdown from the president. Now, here, I'm, and I'm being very specific here when I say that she has ownership of the shutdown now because he said he would own the shutdown. He was fine with shutting it down. But now that he's come to the table with a proposal that is not the same proposal that he originally, originally he just said, I just want the funding that, you know, I've, I've been asking for all along. I just want the funding and then we open the government back up. Now he's saying, okay, well, if you don't want to give me the funding, maybe if I extend TPS for three years and also reinstate the DACA program for three years, and there's a lot of other stuff in there. Um, that possibly that could work. Well, without even considering it, she said it's a non-starter. They've also got their media surrogates out there talking about how it's a non-starter and how it just can't be done. You know, it, 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 they don't oppose a wall necessarily. Um, it's interesting because none of them are calling to tear down the walls that are currently at the border. And I personally, and obviously I don't know what they're going to do, but it just feels like at some point in order for them to have some validity to their comments, that, especially the ones by Nancy Pelosi calling walls immoral, that they would have to start tearing walls down, walls around her mansions, her, her winery, her restaurants, walls around, around the wall that separates Tijuana, one of the most dangerous cities in the world from San Diego, one of the safest cities in the world, um, the, that walls would have to come down. And that's something that I, I greatly I'm concerned about that because Democrats are uh, they're in a destructive mode and they have been. It's it's the, the way that they get things done. But it also could be that they could get into some destruction that would really, really have some negative impacts immediately without that wall between Tijuana and, and San Diego. You literally would have San Diego turn into Tijuana light. And, and other major cities that have that are on the border of our country in Mexico that currently have effective borders. And that even with that, they still had 7,700, over 7,700 apprehensions last year at the wall between Tijuana, Mexico and San Diego, United States. So, I mean, this is this is super important for us to get into. Um, and I'm just going to shoot a text over and, and I know you know, live radio, you guys, but I'm not sure what's going on with our guest. Um, so moving on, 
we have a little bit more than I want to get into. And, you know, this, this to me is one of those stories that it just proves that people on the right have been telling the truth and people on the left have been lying. Planned Parenthood, they released their new annual report. They, you know, pushed it out on a Friday afternoon. They want to make sure that, you know, as few people as possible actually take a look at it. And, and that's what I recommend to you. If you, you're one of those people who believes that Planned Parenthood is really all about women's health and abortion is only 3% of what they do, then get their annual report and read it. It says that the number of abortions they did last year, so 2017, 2018 fiscal year, increased by over 11,000. <clears> so 11,000 more abortions. Another number that increased in their annual report was the amount of federal funding they received. The group received $543.7 million in 2016, and it increased by $20 million last year for a total of $563.8 million in fiscal year 2017-18. So they're getting more taxpayer dollars and they're doing more abortions, but we're supposed to believe that a business that does not provide mammograms and barely refers to them, they do most of the reproductive health rights for American women. These numbers don't add up with what they've been saying about what they do. The amount of contraception that the group provided continued to plummet. In 2016, they provided 2.7 million plus uh, contraception items, you know, methods of contraception to women and men. That number went down to 2.6 million, a little over 2.6 million in this report. So again, just to reiterate, they're giving less contraception, more abortion, and they're receiving more taxpayer dollars. But they're only there to provide women health services, and abortion is just 3% of what they do. Cancer screenings and prevention services also continue to go down from 660000 plus in 2016 to 614000 in the category of other women's health services, which includes pregnancy tests, prenatal services, and miscarriage care, that number decreased from 1.3 million in 2016, so 1,315,941, so, so almost 1,316,000. It dropped by about 14,000, so they gave 14,000 or so fewer tests, pregnancy tests, prenatal services, miscarriage care. And I can tell you, if you're wanting to go to a place where if you think you're positive, you know, you're happy about being pregnant, you're not, you're not going to go to Planned Parenthood where they're the first thing, if you get a positive pregnancy test, they're going to say, when do you want to schedule your abortion? They're, they're not there to give you prenatal services. Women have, they're on video, go, go on YouTube and watch the videos of women saying over and over again that they were at a Planned Parenthood, they were getting the contraception from them on a regular basis and then when they realized they might be pregnant they went for the pregnancy test and when they said oh I'm happy about this baby I'm going to keep it I mean my my contraception failed but I'm still going to keep this baby the Planned Parenthood people were very rude well I don't know why you came here because we're here to help you make a decision about you know that the make a choice they don't they're not there for you to start putting up pictures of your baby and uh, you know or planning the future of, of your unborn child now the abortion group actually had a steady number of patients, around 2.4 million. Uh, so that number remained constant. And their excess revenue over expenses continued its dramatic increase and more than doubled. So excess revenue over expenses would be called profit for any other business. 
but it's kind of gruesome for them to say they're turning a profit doing what they do. So they call it excess revenue over expenses. That number went from uh, 77.5 million to 98.5 million in 2016. Uh, I'm sorry, 2015 was 77.5 million. 2016 was 98.5 million. They went to a whopping 244.8 million in profit in 2017. So, I mean, simple math here. We could use the round numbers, 550 million in funding that they got from taxpayers, and they made a profit of 244.8 million. That means we could reduce Planned Parenthood's funding by half from the taxpayers, and they would still break even. What's wrong with that? If a person is supposedly in favor of people controlling their own bodies, which hence would mean the product of your body, the work that you are compensated for, you would want to be in control of that too, then a liberal should be absolutely positively in favor of defunding Planned Parenthood so that people like myself and millions of others who are pro-life wouldn't have to be complicit in the funding of abortion. But notice they're never willing to do that because they don't believe that you should have a choice. They believe in aborting babies. That's what, that's what, it, what it is. So the message from our leadership section of the report continued the group's narrative that they provide vital health care services despite the evident decline in those services in the report itself. And they were lauding the new president, Dr. Leanna Wynn, and saying that her vision is in line with what the American people want, which is more health care and not less. Now, abortion is not health care. Just ask the doctors in, uh, in Ireland who are currently fighting. They're, they're not going to be providing abortions, even though they're being forced to by their government. It's the law of the land, but they're not being forced to because they have conscience rights there. So uh, they also had information in the report about their partnership with dating apps. OkCupid okay actually created an I Stand With PP badge to appear in the profiles of users who support Planned Parenthood. Over 400,000 users on OkCupid okay have adopted the badge. And users with the badge got four times more matches than those without. So abortion-minded people love knowing that the person that they're possibly going to date is abortion-minded as well. I would imagine that um, they're not going to track the statistics of how many of those people actually end up using Planned Parenthood services to abort a baby that is the result of them matching up with someone on OkCupid. I mean, that I guess that'd be pretty gruesome. Um, so no, no, no chance of us getting any data on that. I think it's kind of fascinating um, that, that we have such an interesting um, like set of news. That news comes along with, you know, we were talking yesterday about the, the rise of Satanism in America. Um, and then, of course, the transgender ban. So you guys remember the transgender ban. Well, actually, we're going to get to that. We will get to the transgender ban being upheld by the Supreme Court of the United States, which also included that one of the people who voted on it was uh, RBG, notorious RBG. So she is still working and doing just fine. They're just not giving regular updates on her anymore like they were initially. Um, I just want to point out really quickly, and we have some time left here. We'll go to the phones. If you want to join in the program, take the place of our missing guest, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Um, this story is, is kind of like the, the headline is perfect. Unreal. 25% of all deaths in the Netherlands are by forms of euthanasia and suicide. Let me go at that one more time. You know, the Netherlands 
actually has assisted suicide and euthanasia. They're legal there. And when they passed it, they said it was for people who, you know, they're in these terminal illnesses that are extraordinarily painful where pain meds will not handle the pain and family members don't want to watch their loved ones suffer and loved ones don't want their family members to watch them suffer. And so they would legalize euthanasia to make sure that people didn't have to go through that, that they could make their end of life a smooth transition. This flies in the face of what God says about us taking our own lives, but whatever, this is the law there. Well, they've embraced it. Along with other European countries, critics warned that it would not only go far beyond the supposedly limited scope, but it would also create a culture of death in which suicide for any reason would become socially acceptable. Like it is here on Twitter, when you say something someone doesn't like, they'll say, go kill yourself. That's the actual situation in the Netherlands, where if you become inconvenient, if you become someone that people can't stand to be around, when they say go kill yourself, they're not kidding. They really want you to. And it's legal in their country. You can actually get assistance with it. And so, I mean, it's really sad that a quarter of all of the deaths in this country are now people electing to kill themselves or asking a doctor to help them do it. A quarter of all of the deaths. I mean, it's just, it's flabbergasting. It's, it's astounding. All right, let's go to the phones. Um, James, and thank you for calling the show today. <laughs> oh, yes, ma'am. Uh, well, hi, Stacey. I want you to know I appreciate your program, and you did a great job. Thank you. Um, my comment is, I, you know, I'm a taxpayer, too, and I am part of uh, our taxpayer money going to the abortion uh, giants. And I just got off the phone, <clears throat> called my, one of my senators, and told him I would like to have a written statement of why it cannot be stopped. Because they promised two years ago when they run mm -hmm. that that was going to be one of the things to defund Planned Parenthood. But we still haven't done that yet. You're right. I love that. We should all be doing that. We should hold them accountable. I want a written statement why it can't be done, like you said, James. And then I also want to, you to know that if you haven't gotten anything on it, if you haven't taken a vote, I won't be voting for you next time. And I'm sending yeah. this out to everybody I know. We got to do that. You're right. And your, your, your method is the way it's supposed to work. We're supposed to be able to go to them directly because they work for us. They're elected and say, you promised this. You didn't do it. Why? And then they're supposed to tell us, you know, so I don't, I don't know why they can't get it done other than that. You, they just don't have it in them. If I get a reply, I'll call you back, okay? You know, I, I, I want you to, James. Please call me back and let me know what he says, and you can encourage the rest of us. We all got to get on your train and do the same thing you're doing because you're doing it right. Uh, when we get back, we'll take the rest of our calls. Please hang on. We'll be with you right after these brief messages, which are super important because, you know, we don't have ads on American Family Radio. That's why you're at home here because you get all the best stuff all the time. Even, even our breaks are fantastic. So we'll be right back with more. And you stay right there here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Can solid teamwork building principles apply to all of life? Here's Tony Dungy, author of The Soul of a Team, with today's Uncommon Moment. Do you still wonder whether unity can really strengthen your team? Let me illustrate the principle by sharing one of my proudest moments. Oddly enough, it came at my dad's funeral when I learned during one of the eulogies that Wilbur Dungey had been a member of the Tuskegee Airmen. This program, launched by the Army Air Corps in 1941, was the first to train African Americans to serve as officers and pilots. 
More than 1,000 Tuskegee Airmen completed the rigorous training program and flew more than 15,000 missions in Europe and North Africa during World War II. Their successes were key to ending segregation of America's armed services in 1948. Unity amid diversity. Tony Dungy, best-selling author of The Soul of a Team, from Tyndale House. More at CoachDungy.com. There's a particular reason why there is a Back to God radio show. It was about four years ago, God called me out of the pulpit and said, Dexter, I need you to go tell my people it's time for them to get back to God. Back to my morals, back to my values. This is the thing that you're supposed to do simply because you belong to the Most High God. It's the least that you can do for a God that loves you the way that He does. Time to get back to God. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central on Urban Family Talk. The church has to take the lead in ensuring that men are properly trained for fatherhood. We have an epidemic in which boys are not growing up with their fathers. So as Christian men, we have to stand in the gap and make up the hedge so that our communities are not destroyed. When we see fatherhood as a blessing and not an inconvenience, we will see children as spiritual weapons in our arsenal. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. <laughs> Join us in the battle to strengthen fatherhood. UrbanFamilyTalk.com I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. We're not 100% sure yet whether President Trump will journey to Capitol Hill on January 29th to deliver his State of the Union message. That's after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi wrote to Mr. Trump suggesting they delay the affair until the government's open. And then the president fired back, canceling her planned trip to visit troops in Afghanistan. One senior congressional source involved in the planning told Fox, quote, we're standing by to stand by. Perhaps the only one who does know is Nostra Romo, CBS football color man Tony Romo, who seems prescient enough to predict every play on the field about 20 seconds before it happens. But if the State of the Union does happen, this speech is likely to be the Super Bowl of politics. There has never been a more anticipated State of the Union message than this one. There are now worries about the shutdown impacting the Super Bowl itself. House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn brought up the issue in a meeting with Democrats this past week. More than 100 million Americans regularly view the Super Bowl each winter. But if the contretemps continues between the President and the Speaker, this year's State of the Union speech may rival the Super Bowl in the Nielsen ratings. The Speaker's Lobby, Chad Pergram, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Um, so I, I know we have now a little bit of a weird thing going on um, because we have our guests, but I did promise that we would go back to the phones. So I'm going to give a couple of the callers an opportunity to quickly weigh in and then we'll go to our guest George in Missouri hey thanks for calling the show what's your comment yeah hi what's uh, your comment thanks for, yeah thanks for doing what you're doing um, you know those kids at Parkland they never laid a glove on them kids the people on the left but yet there are Christian kids they at uh, standing up for uh, uh, life Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they're all over them, and that ain't right. So who's the hater? Exactly. <laughs> and, and my other question is, I heard on the radio the uh, that Saudi Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia wants to take Mount Sinai and bulldoze it to the ground. Uh, isn't that uh, yes. a little bit of a biblical site? Uh, yeah, the place where Moses met God. Yeah. Unless I've got that wrong, I, I, I kind of figured that. And, and also the site of the, the creation of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, <laughs> of course he does. 
Thanks for calling the show, the show George. Uh, one more quick call before we go to Carmine. Stanley in Florida, thank you so much for calling the show today. Hey, how you doing today? <clears throat> Pretty good. Yes, Miss. Yes, Stacy. What is the government shutdown really all about? Is it? I know it's, it's more than just about a wall, because I live in Florida and we, we have uh, the space program here. You know, Cape Canaveral, um, and plus, you know, the uh, postal workers. And, um, and other people who work, you know, for the government. But what is the, um, the government shutdown truthfully? What is that really all about? Uh, I think we covered that on the show yesterday. It's it's really it's a power play between the 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 Democrats and President Trump. They would rather the nation be focused on the shutdown. Um, because it's demoralizing to Republicans and it and it does deny him what he ran on. It's a win for him if he gets the funding. And uh, more importantly, most importantly, I should say, um, this is a, a, a time waster that enables them to line up their ducks so that they can move on with impeachment. And the Michael Cohen testimony before Congress, where he's going to come up with this trumped up lie about the president telling him to lie, that is going to be the impetus for them to kind of get the, all of the wheels in motion to move forward with impeachment because the Democrats are bent on removing the president and undoing the result of the 2016 election. Uh, and I think that's that's what it's all about. Um, so now it's my pleasure to welcome our guest, managing editor of the Federalist Papers, political commentator, Carmine. Thanks for joining the show today. Hey, Stacey. How you doing? Pretty good. So I know you were coming on to talk about current events and the big story uh, besides the Covington kids. Well, I, we should go there first. The big story is now you've got people on the left and right of the political spectrum, journalists, you name it. Everyone's backpedaling and apologizing because it turns out the MAGA kids, the Catholic kids weren't actually harassing anyone. They weren't actually doing anything but smiling and wearing these offensive red hats. And now their lives have been turned upside down. And the media, while doing some retracting, they're not really giving the correction as much wind as they gave to the original story. Of course not. They're still, they're still looking for a way to blame the kids, too. The, the three-point shot being a white power symbol. Uh, <laughs> uh, the blackface thing, which... They failed to mention it was Blackout Day, and they did all kinds of different ones on different days, you know, Blue Day and this day and that day. But that doesn't fit the narrative. Listen, here's the bottom line, Stacey. And by the way, I apologize for my phone issues earlier. No, um, no problem. No problem. Here's the bottom line. The media got their narrative, and that was the narrative they wanted. They don't want to let go of it now. It's the same thing with the Bugsy article. The narrative is evil, white, Christian, pro-life. President Donald Trump supporters harass minorities. That was the narrative. It was perfect for them. If they needed something to take the, 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 the stench of the BuzzFeed story away, this slid in right at the perfect time for them. And well, now I they did. Don't it. Go, so they're trying to find a way to save it. They're not going to let it go. There's another reason, in my opinion, that they're not going to let it go, and that is that. Um, Kids wearing red and white hats supporting the president have to be taught a lesson. Kids going to, yep. especially boys, uh, you know, especially white boys, going to a pro-life rally and wearing MAGA hats, they have to be taught a lesson. So even if the story is incorrect, liberals will feel justified in not fully retracting and correcting it because those boys need to be taught a lesson. And boys around the country who might be thinking of supporting the pro-life mission publicly, boys who might be thinking of supporting President Trump, any kid who doesn't like the fact that he's automatically assumed to be 
a racist or a Harvey Weinstein Jr., anyone who's feeling put out by what liberals are currently doing to men in America, you got to watch what's happening to these boys and understand that that could be you. And if you dare step out of line, oh, yeah. it will be you. And so I, I think there's, you know, if it were liberal kids that they'd put a story out about and then they realize, oh, no, these liberal kids weren't actually that bad, they would retract. They'd have them on the Good Morning America show, the Today Show. They'd have them on right. every every mainstream outlet to make sure that people know these these kids aren't the demons we thought they were. But these boys won't be given right. full exoneration because they're on the wrong side. I mean, you kind of had the same thing in the Duke LaCroix case. How many people, you know, heard the story that, hey, they, they, they didn't do it? Mm, so true. I mean, it was the same kind of thing in Duke LaCroix. Those kids are still tarnished with that. So, you know, it is what it is. This is the world we live in. Well, I think they're on the right track by saying that they're actually interested in you know, seeking legal redress by suing the networks because it's not until someone punches back with the same amount of fervor that they were punched that liberals will feel like, well, okay, you know, maybe maybe we should have issued a proper retraction or and and I never I've never seen liberals fully a full throated apology. You never get that from a liberal, but they will back off when they're beaten soundly like a drum. And I think that's what it's going to take. And I hope these kids are the ones to take them on, because if you really look at what's happened to them, it's it's like they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. But multiply that out times like a million billion. Like it's it's the worst thing ever. The, yeah. the liberals want to take away their opportunity to go to college one day. Correct. They want to destroy their lives. They want to destroy them. I, I've seen a lot of kids, a lot of people on Twitter, like, you know, white boy this and that, and uh, uh, Kavanaugh was a name they use a lot. Kavanaugh. They're trying to compare him to Justice Kavanaugh. Yeah. Well, I mean, you so know? there's there's an interesting thing there, too. If you look at the way liberals tried to string up Justice Kavanaugh and how there's still, to this day, a couple of congressmen who want to submit articles, articles of impeachment over... This, this story is now debunked. He did not rape anyone. He didn't do anything untoward, no sexual assault. Yet they still want to catch him on a perjury trap uh, that he said something that wasn't true so they can get rid of him. In other words, they don't like him being on the Supreme Court, so they want to overturn it, as opposed to acknowledging that the president has a right to appoint who he wants. And just because they didn't win doesn't mean they get to keep litigating it over and over again. It's like dealing with toddlers. It's like the election. It is. <laughs> you know, it's like the election. We didn't win. Let's keep relitigating it. Let's keep redoing it. You know, and I don't know. It's just shameful. I mean, nobody's talking about the mainstream media hasn't left that fact that one of their biggest defenders, he's coming to get to C.J. Pearson. I think if C.J. Pearson thought they were racist, he wouldn't be helping them. You wouldn't be defending them. You know what I no, mean? So come on. Not at all. Not at all. And you know what? I, I wouldn't be defending them. Listen. Yeah. Carmine, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, I have to admit, I was one of the people in the beginning. I apologized for it. I came out against them at first because I reacted too quickly. And, and you know, it taught me a lesson about, you know, look, let's not do this. In the, let's not react so quickly in the future. But I think you're, you're so inclined, in, in, at least in my case, to say, hey, look, I don't want people to think that's what conservatism is. Mm. That want to rush and denounce anything that you even, even remotely deemed as racist because you don't want people to think that's what we are. And it, it looked at the, the original, in my defense, in defense of other people, the original video looked pretty damning. And I think that what we have to realize is 
and I should have thought about this, is that what's the reason the video was so short? What, did, what part did they want the kids? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's part of the thing, you know? So we have to think about it. Same with the BuzzFeed story, you know, we have to think about it before we respond. Well, uh, we do, but I, and, and the way things move so quickly now, it, it was bound to happen. And the, it, the video was a part of what actually appeared. And I think for a lot of people who are really trying to maximize their exposure on Twitter and get as much out of, you know, you, you have to be rapid fire when something comes out. If you wait a few hours before you tweet about it, no one's going to retweet you. No one's going to respond because the conversation's mm-hmm. already happened. And so I'm, I, I didn't get caught up in it because I have kind of, throttled back on on the Twitter and the result is it's kind of depressing I spent all these years working on it and building it up and now I lose more followers than I actually gain on Twitter on a monthly basis and it's because I'm not on there 24 hours a day and I honestly the shadow banning thing like when I realized I, I was a part of that group um, I just kind of felt like well what's the point if I'm tweeting to no one and I but there there is there's a huge danger here, and that is that it becomes so routine and so normal for the news media to get stories wrong and then not fully correct. And more and more Americans, I, the tweets that I am getting, people are saying, I don't I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not um, I don't believe anything they say. I never I never listen to them. I only trust this outlet or that outlet. And a lot of people have found alternative sources where they can go for the truth and they're using those sources and believing those and not really paying attention to the mainstream media, which means they, they still have a huge bully pulpit and an echo chamber. But every time innocent people are smeared, the ones who do find out about the smear are very quick to write the mainstream media off. And I, I hope that is the, the result, that people will start to listen to outlets that provide the truth, newsbusters, MRC TV. We have you know our, our blog, The Stand, over at American Family Radio. Um, we... we all of us are putting out content and trying to do the work. It's just so many channels and so much fake news. And, and, you know, the focus of the leftists is to protect the Democrats and to advance their agenda. And we've got to, we've got to decouple from that. We have to pull ourselves out of that. Yeah, I think a hundred percent, you know, you've got alternative sources now, let's use them, you know, and we have, you know, I mean, the federalistpapers.org, we're, we're on top of the story from day one, you know, we had a lot of different aspects of it. We wouldn't be defending them. We wouldn't be writing quote things on them if they were if they were wrong. If we thought they were racist, you know. So we just you know try to get it right instead of being first. Well, we'll have to see how that works. <laughs> I personally don't think that people are going to slow down on the tweets, um, but I do think no, that. We can we can amplify the truth about this story and that these kids and their families are really suffering right now needlessly because all they were doing was trying to support a cause that's very dear to their heart and coincidentally dear to the faith that they practice. Catholicism is a pro-life movement and the original pro-life movement, if you will, uh, you know, yep. a part of Christianity. So uh, I, I, I sincerely hope that they're, they're exonerated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Carmine, thank you so much for joining the show today. I totally get the phone issues happens to the best of us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Um, and, and you're managing editor of the Federalist Papers, political commentator, so many fantastic sites that you're a part of. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. God bless. Okay, God bless. Talk to you soon. Uh, I wanted to point out, speaking of Twitter, I'm here on, uh, you know, as, as we're talking, I got some notifications and I was just scanning through. And Julie Silver, um, she's at Julianne Silver on Twitter, and she says that 
Six retweets might tell you something about you and Laura Lee Trump's appeal, Trump crime family. And then when you hover over her bio, it, she's, you know, she's an openly um, same sex engaged person. And so I'm just tweeting her back. Oh, Julie, the only interaction that matters is yours. Thank you for your wonderful tweets. So thoughtful and intelligent and loving because the only thing you can do now at this point is, I guess, just be copiously and prodigiously nice to people in response to their just not having any kind of like you kind of wonder where these people were raised that they're always online being so mean and clawing at other people um jacob in alabama quick what's your comment okay first i got a scripture for you first um psalm forty six ten. that's for you personally and your family the other thing is um we're talking about abortion and I just want to say something about Ms. Clinton. When she was Secretary of State, mm-hmm. she went over to Kenya and said they wasn't going to get any funding from them unless they accepted abortion and same-sex marriage. That's true. And the mm-hmm. prime minister said, no, and he's a Christian. And so that's an encouragement to realize they're trying to export um, abortion and same-sex marriage around mm-hmm. the world politically. And they're very serious about it, and they want to, like you said, control people's lives. They do. Absolutely. Thank you for that historical tidbit, which if you, if you, if you don't think back to then, you kind of feel like, well, this is coming out of nowhere, but it's not. You're right, Jacob. It's, an, it's a concerted effort. It's every one of them. Whenever they gain power, they do it. They never let up with it. It's something that they're, they're committed to, M- much more than we're committed to defunding Planned Parenthood, to be honest with you. Look at the impact they've been able to have with abortion. 46 million abortions last year worldwide. 46 million. That's uh, how many states of Americans is that? Four or five states worth of Americans? The, you know, uh, maybe one or two of our bigger states? Crazy pants. All right. That is this hour of the program. If you're leaving us now, God bless you. And, uh, Have a great day from the heartland. If you're sticking around, it's One News Now, news and information. (laughs) It's up next for you. Stay there.